Welcome to the Web3 History Podcast, where the goal is to preserve the stories of the builders and the early adopters of the decentralized internet in real time. I'm your host, Jay Harris. You can find me on social media at Podmaster Jay. That's Podmaster Jay, like Jam Master Jay. This is a narrative podcast, which as the name implies, means that as the host, I operate as the narrator in the guest story. It's unlike an interview podcast, which is driven by the conversation between the guest and the host. There's no conversation happening here. Just good old-fashioned storytelling. In this episode, I'll be introducing you to Aubrey Hewlett, who's a software developer, a web designer, and the founder of Cypher Mountain. If I had to describe Aubrey in one word, it would be genius. Honestly, Aubrey is probably one of the most brilliant people in Web3 today. I've been meeting with Aubrey for the past few months, getting ready for this interview, and every time I meet with him, he does something to completely change my perspective on Web3. Aubrey has this way of seeing past the ICOs, seeing past the NFTs, and seeing Web3 for really what it is, a revolution. Something that's happening right now as we speak that's going to completely change the world. But you know what? I'm getting carried away. I'll let Aubrey introduce himself. I find myself trying to transition from just being, hey, I'm a software engineer into, yeah, I run a company, right? So if I were to talk to someone on a plane, I'm like, they say, well, what do you do? I own a software company. It feels weird for me. But I did get into software engineering 10 years ago and kind of built a career in the uh, payment processing space. Just a smaller company was a startup of payment processing. And yeah, I really had a, uh, I guess I, I started in cryptocurrency. I started following it in about 2015, thereabouts, whenever mining Litecoin was actually cool. <laughs> and you know, I had some problems with it. I didn't really jump in fully, didn't have the money to, but I loved the idea. So I continued to follow it for years after that. And only within the last year or two, I decided to put both feet first and say, you know, I want to be all in on this thing. So, you know, one of the things that really drew me to Aubrey was his passion for people and his belief that Web3, cryptocurrencies, blockchain, that these were technologies that were meant to be used for good, to pull people up and move us all forward together. You really hear the passion come out when Aubrey speaks about his company, Cypher Mountain. It's a non-traditional company. It's, it's kind of taking some of the ideas from the Web3 space and applying it to how do you create an ecosystem that is a company. It's not just products. It's not just people. It's, it's how everyone interacts outside and inside. So for many years, I feel like I've, I've talked to a number of people about uh, you know, the idea of currency and currency empowering individuals, not just individuals, but uh, groups. So, you know, let's say, let's say you have one small city and they don't really have a lot of, um, like the banking industry doesn't access them. They can change their situation with cryptocurrency because now they have a new thing that they can do, which is minting currency. Um, it can be kind of dangerous, but it's something that most people don't have access to. 
most groups don't have access to. So if you think about power and control of a financial system, creating currency is a big part of it. And for the longest time, of course, that's been allowed only at the government level. And it's explicitly illegal for anybody to do it themselves. But come along cryptocurrency, and now anybody can create any kind of currency they want. Uh, whether it's recognized or not, that's beside the point. Um, what is most valuable is that they can do it, and it's extremely, extremely easy and cheap. And that that really hit me as as something that will change the world, but it's also complex at the same time, right? It's not something you just play around with, you know, like like you're playing with toys. Tokenomics, like you're building economies, you're building a very complex structure of interactions between people. And it definitely should not be taken lightly, um, even though we have the ability to do it and very easily. So yeah, that's kind of developing as a passion of mine. Okay, now we're starting to get into my favorite topic to discuss with Aubrey, tokenomics. According to Google, tokenomics is the understanding of the supply and demand characteristics of cryptocurrency. And if you're familiar with economics, you'll agree with me when I say that Aubrey is basically the Adam Smith of Web3 and his company Cypher Mountain is the new wealth of nations. In fact, Aubrey has his own way of describing what tokenomics is. I look at it as the flow of ownership. And that's something that I used recently is uh, somebody was wanting me to describe it. And I came across that as like, yeah, that's pretty good. It's the flow of ownership. It's not about necessarily spending currency, right? I mean, you go, you go spend money for something. Okay, you have an exchange. What about company ownership? What about stocks? Nobody pays for anything with stocks. But with Web3, you can. So that's, to me, what tokenomics is, is the flow of ownership. But ownership can be so many different things. And you have to incentivize that flow of ownership. You have to make sure that 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 flow exists and it doesn't get consolidated. You know, one person shouldn't end up with everything, right? Um, and that's the way the system has been for a long time. But we have a chance to change that. So that's that's essentially a lot of what about I believe tokenomics to be, and that's what that's what my company, my DAO, is uh, attempting to accomplish. You know, the other thing that I really like about Aubrey is that he's not just a brilliant guy who understands these really complex topics. Sure, him and I can go back and forth for hours talking about the principles of tokenomics, but it's also very clear to Aubrey that to bring these ideas to the masses, he has to be able to communicate it in a way that's meaningful to other people. I love complex ideas and I love talking about them. And I will stand on a soapbox for hours and talk to talk about them. But that's not the story that really needs to be told. You know, the reality of telling your story to potential customers is that the average person going through and buying any kind of product has a very short attention span simply because they have to wade through so much information, so many people telling their own story about, hey, look at my product, right? So you've got to take something complex and you've got to distill it down into what is its essence? What is what is the thing that you can deliver in 30 seconds and, and say enough that's like, oh yeah, that's really cool. And, and let's dive deeper into that, you know, versus you could completely miss on delivering what you have. You know, you might've hit a, 
uh, a potential customer, but if you didn't tell the story right and they didn't quite catch what you're trying to tell them, then they're gone, right? Because they, they have to move on to the next thing. And it's not, not always that they want to, they have to, right? You know, it's, it's a very, very short window. So you got to get it right, as right as possible the first time. And it's not always just complex ideas. Let's say you have a product that does 50 different things. You know, you can't explain 50 different configuration variables in 30 seconds, right? It's not possible. So yeah, you got to distill it down into its essence. And what is it that is the most important thing to deliver in that short time frame? Okay, that's enough business talk. I know I promised you some history. So here we go. Aubrey's origin story for how he got involved in crypto in the first place is amazing. You've got to hear it. Actually, before we get to that, let's take a second to learn about our sponsor, nfxco.com. NFX delivers a digital experience with online and offline impact for athletes, artists, and their fans, while also providing awareness and ongoing funding for their causes and charities with NFTs and their unique collectible metals. NFX, the non-fungible experience company, is the future of digital experiences. Visit nfxco.com to learn more. That's nfxco.com to learn more. Now let's get back to our story. One of the things that uh, that I was interested in, oh my gosh, maybe six, eight years ago, is uh, is is government. So I wanted to run for run for office, right? Uh, like uh, Congress, uh, office of Congress. It, it it was really a small thing, kind of a haphazard thing, and and the main the main driving force was I wanted to create a system where people could have more direct input into decisions being made at the higher level, right? You've got 500 people in one room trying to make one decision and we're all on the outside, you know, voters are on the outside and what we get is a yes or a no. Like that's, that's essentially the only input we get is yes and no. So what could we do if people could have more than just a yes or a no, right? If we could have input from the bottom up and creating decisions that affect everybody that's more complex than just yes or no. It's not just a simple vote. So the idea was to create kind of a, um, I don't know if you, uh, if you know anything about Git, but it's a, a software uh, a version control system. But the idea was based off of that where you know, an, an individual could read a bill that's been proposed by Congress, take one paragraph, alter that paragraph, and now throw that up on social media to say, look, this is, this is what I read. This is how I think it's wrong, and this is how I can correct it as a proposal to not only other people, but also the members of Congress who ultimately end up putting that whole bill together and say, okay, this is now law. So the idea is to bring a voice of an individual from the ground up into, you know, consolidate it into one long document that says, okay, yeah, this is now how a law should read. Anyway, so that was like about eight, eight years ago or so, and I started on the project to try to I don't know, create something like that. And you know, it, it kind of worked a little bit. I mean, at, at a uh, testing level, I never really launched it, never really did a whole lot with it. But yeah, that was, I guess, one of the, the personal driving factors behind moving into the cryptocurrency space because cryptocurrency can start giving you a lot of those tools. 
I don't know about you, but I've never thought of cryptocurrency as being a tool for government. But like I said, Aubrey's a different kind of person. Another way that he's different is that he isn't afraid to admit when he's wrong. Part of the conversation we had was around how Aubrey's initial approach to his business was actually going in the wrong direction. But Aubrey was able to take what was happening in his personal life and use that to pivot and refocus his business. Like I said, I had originally spent months designing an exchange. And the, the problem with that is there weren't a whole lot of people who were interested in an exchange because there's already a lot out there, right? It's what I wanted, but it wasn't what the market wanted. So what I did was I stopped trying to push the exchange. And I went back to the drawing board of what what are people doing right now? What are some difficulties that they might have right now? Um, and where are we going, right? So not think too far in the future about what tokenomics could be, but think about what are the struggles right now, not only myself, but others. And so that's kind of why I stumbled across, and I really do say stumbled, I stumbled across the concept of giveaways, of community building. Because ultimately, when it comes down to it, like that's the conversations that most crypto companies are having. Thus, that's a lot of what people are hiring right now. You know, they're, they're getting funding. They're trying to put a team together if they have funding. And then they're going to build an idea, not a product, an idea. And then they're going to be hiring community managers. And what do I see the most on LinkedIn and Twitter right now? Hey, we need a community manager. Like that's that's the, the the biggest thing. So obviously, a lot of these projects right now, that's where their state is is building a community. So what would be the most valuable for them? Probably tools to help them build that community. Right? They're not looking at complex tokenomics right now. They're not looking at price stability of their utility token. You know, they're not looking about how how do DAOs work. They're focusing on their NFT sale on their launch and building that community. So let's start there. And so, yeah, the, the approach that I took was more of an entertainment approach. I guess a little bit of a personal story on that one is that my kids and I were, were I was trying to entertain my kids one day and they're very interested in gaming. They spend a lot of time in their iPads, which I'm, you know, I'm trying to find a balance for because I come from a time where, you know, we didn't have iPads. We didn't, we had to find other entertainment for what it's worth. Okay let's try to find a balance going forward because you're not going to get away from technology going forward. I mean, we've, we've got to live with it. So again, we're learning how to make choices. So anyways, I'm entertaining them and I'm saying, okay, well, if we're going to play games, let's understand them. Let's, let's, let's kind of break it down into its fundamental pieces. How do you find entertainment in a game? So let's make one. And so that's what we did. We, we created kind of a, a random output machine type thing where you know you you have one command and it does something and then um, um, something happens to your character very simple not not too much complexity in it um, it was all based on something that they had already played each other played with each other they, they you know without their ipads they'll just say oh yeah i'll um, spawn in and i'm a fish and and then the other you know makes up some sort of story behind it know creating obstacles or or whatever the case is it's it's all just kind of ad hoc anyway so we kind of took that and created a game out of it that ended up being the foundation of the game bot that i created for discord so i just took that game 
added a lot more to it. So we had a lot of fun adding these these outcomes to it. You know, you um, it's it's a very morbid game. You know, you you end up dying a lot, but uh, but you get to spawn back in. So I don't know. <laughs> there's balance in it there. But yeah, we we added a lot of a lot of content to it. So you know, there's there's over a million different random outputs that it, that this thing could have at this point. And then I threw it up as a a Discord bot, right? And because I'm again not the greatest at community building myself, didn't have a lot of users on it initially. So that's where I said, okay, well, a lot of people are on Twitter. It's hard for me to get people into the Discord channel. So how about I just put the bot on Twitter too? So now that's where the that's where that ended up is is you can play the game on Twitter. <laughs> so as you tweet, you use a particular hashtag and and you get the game output. And as I personally played it over and over and over again on Twitter, uh, people started asking me like, what's, what is this? <laughs> this makes no sense. I'm a fish or you're a fish. Who's a fish? I don't get it. Anyway, so there was enough confusion that they wanted to ask me about it. And I finally got uh, a good bit of interest in it because, well, it's, it's entertaining. So again, it's, it's using entertainment as an intermediary, right? You know, okay, you're building your project, but while you're building the the project in the community, here's something for everybody to do. That's not just oh, go to Discord and type hashtag work, which is the current games. <laughs> Before I wrapped up the conversation with Aubrey, I had to ask him for his thoughts on the current state of the crypto industry and for his predictions on where he thought the industry was going in the next five to 10 years. And of course, Aubrey didn't disappoint. You're gonna like this one. Ooh, predictions for the crypto industry uh, it's, it's going to continue to grow um every every three years you have a big uh, a big push up um and a lot of that is driven by new tokens so as different um outside industries start to um embrace cryptocurrency a bit more uh, a bit more fundamentally uh we'll see a lot more tokens being released and that will only increase the uh, the overall adoption rate exponentially and the price of a lot of these base tokens like Bitcoin and Ethereum and Solana and everything else. I think one of the problems, though, that we're going to see that'll slow everything down and has continued to do so is the scaling factor that, uh, that you know, your base chains, your layer one chains are not going to be able to scale to the to the magnitude that they need to be able to accommodate everyone. So we will see a lot more layer twos, probably even layer threes and up. Because well, that's just the natural progression of things in software. Is uh, it's it, it takes a layering approach, and it always has. I think tokenomics itself is going to be a struggle, but I think the gaming industry is really going to take it to the next level. And I think the advantage they have in the gaming industry is that they can do a lot of experimentation with tokenomics, at least in the beginning, because the release cycle of new games is very small. So if you think about games for a phone you can look at a a six month to one year release cycle where they have to create a new game to keep their users to keep their user base keep their company growing they have to create a new game every six months to a year so let's just say that on that release cycle they can experiment with a different type of tokenomics for each game so it, it brings a lot of room for failure but it also brings a lot of room for success and experimentation. So I think they have a, a large advantage in um, figuring out what exactly works in in the grand scheme of things with tokenomics. And uh, it, it's something that 
I don't think very many other industries right now have uh, have that advantage on. Congratulations, you made it to the end of the episode. If you'd like to connect with Aubrey Hewlett, then check the links in the episode description. If you like this episode, then please, please, please leave us a rating in the podcast app that you're listening in right now and follow us. We'll be back in two weeks with more stories from the builders and the early adopters of the Web3 movement. See you then.